Lord, thank you for this moment, God, we have on Sunday morning to, to meet with you, the opportunity to hear from you, the, the chance, God, that we have to worship you. God, we treasure this time so much. And God, we are, we're frail, frail people, God, we're weak, Lord, but it's in you we find our strength. And so, God, I ask that you would strengthen us through your word. You would speak to us that this, what we study today would certainly uh, empower us, influence us, inspire us, God, to live for you more today than ever before. And so, bless your word, anoint it with your spirit, God, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A recent Pew Research, and this was back in um, uh, a poll that they did in December 2022, and the, the heading on this article I read said this, four in ten U.S. adults believe humanity is living in the end times. Four out of ten. So that means 60% of, of people in the U.S. do not believe that Jesus is coming back soon. That's really the gist of all this. It made me think about how, uh, 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 how the enemy can come at us to distract us to not think about where the times we're living in and how that could inspire us. Uh, there's this old fable, this story where uh, three apprentice demons were strategizing with Satan on how to ruin people's lives. And this kind of fable story goes like this. Like the first demon said, I got it, I got it. I will tell people there is no God. Well, Satan replies, says, no, that's not going to work. I mean, most people believe there's, there's God. There's something. There's some force or divine uh, presence there. Well, the second of the three demons said, I know, I know. I will tell people there's no hell. Well, Satan says, no, it will only deceive a few people. Most know there's consequences to doing wrong. Well, finally, the, the third demon says this, I have it. Tell people there's no hurry. Well, with that, Satan smiled and said, go, you will ruin people by the hundreds. Another poll tells us this, that Christianity, sadly, in America, is shrinking. I, I read in recent time that they are saying something like 10 to 11 percent of or Christianity is, is shrinking, is declining, like 10 to 11 percent per 10 years. And I read another article uh, saying that by 2045, that Christianity in America will not be the major religion. Crazy, yeah. Back in 1990, I think the, the numbers were 90% of people were saying that, no, we're Christian in America. And today it's like 60%. So there is a decline going on in our own country. And that kind of makes sense, though. I mean, that, that makes sense in, in the way of, oh, well, yeah, we see it. I mean, it it. it it could be that's the reason why there's less on-fire Christians we see than like before. And I'm putting this together. Could it be that perhaps we've all, or in general, Christians, have lost that 
urgency about the times we live in. We've lost that, 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 that outlook of the future and eternity. We've kind of got into the world and our lives and, and the busyness and kind of put that aside and it seems to, to, to like put to sleep, yeah, spiritually, people and their fervor for the Lord. Well, as we return here to the book of First Peter, we find that he puts out there is this urgency. He's saying we're living in the end times, and that should really affect our lives. So the title of our message this morning is Live Like Jesus is Coming Soon. Live Like Jesus is Coming Soon. I mean, that should inspire us. That should get us going. That should get us serious. And that's what Peter is really going to put forth here in three areas. So our title, once again, is Live Like Jesus is Coming Soon. We're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 4 from verse 7 through 11. And in these verses, we're going to see three areas that Peter is really pushing out there in the urgency in how we should be living. And here's the three things. And this is our outline too. Number one, pray like never before. Number two, love like never before. And number three, serve like never before. So those are the three things we're going to see in our our passage here this morning. So let's begin with number one, pray like never before. Pray like never before. Let's begin here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. And just the first part, I just want to look at this as we start out. It says in verse 7, The end of all things is at hand. So just stop right there. So here's Peter continuing on in this letter. And, and, and he says, look, the end of all things. What's he talking about? He says, you know what he's saying? The world as we know it, all things. All that we see today, this is the all things. And he's talking about the return of Christ. Because we know, right, at the end of the, the tribulation, the world as we know it, Christ is going to come and usher in the millennium and everything's going to change. So we're talking about the return of Christ. And Peter's referred to it already, like even back in First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he talked about it's going to be revealed. Christ will be revealed in the last time. Or he talked about the revelation of Christ. In other words, he's going to appear in 1 Peter 1.7. So here Peter brings it all back now and puts our mind on the, that all things, the world as we know it, you know what, is at hand. Now when he says is at hand, though, it's one Greek word, is at hand, is really uh, one Greek word, and it means it's coming near. It's, it's about to arrive. It, it, it's like expect the end to come. It's, it, to me, it's kind of like saying expect the unexpected at any moment that Christ could return, that all that we know can come to this end. The NLT just says it really plainly and translates the end of the world is coming soon. So I wanted to really focus in on this so that you get the, the, the basis, right, of what Peter's saying, that, look, Jesus is coming soon. This world as we know it, it, it it's going to be Paul soon. And that should affect the way we live. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, wait, 
didn't Peter write this like almost 2,000 years ago, you know, or over 2,000 years ago? Isn't, isn't, wait, and there, he's saying what? The, the end is coming soon? We're in the end times? What, Jesus is, is, is going to come soon? Well, what is that? Well, since the time after Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, from that time till now has been considered the end, the, the last days, you know, because um, Jesus could have returned at any time at that point. And he could have. But I'm glad by his grace and mercy he didn't because I was able to be born. I was able to come to Christ and be saved, come to know him and experience God and know him. And so by God's grace, time has gone on and God is patiently waiting. But one day, that time is going to be up. One day, it's going to be done. Remember, Later, we'll see this in Second Peter, um, but uh, Peter writes, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. So, you know, to a God who is in eternity, a thousand, couple thousand years, couple days, ah, it's like nothing. Yeah. But understand this, especially for us today, because we're 2,000 years closer to his return, right? And I would say we're, we're, we're at the closest moment now. So with the return of Christ in view, here's Peter setting this all up. Live like Jesus is coming soon. And that's what he's setting up for us here. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, it says, Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And that's how we are to live. We are to live in that way. And Jesus said those words. Well, let's go on here in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Right after, hey, the world's going to come to an end soon. He says, therefore. Yeah. He says, since we're in this time, since Jesus is about to come any time, he says, first of all, be self-controlled. What does that mean? It, it, it means to be disciplined about how you live your life. Um, and particularly, and we'll get to that in a moment, about prayer. So he's saying, look, be disciplined. Don't give in to your, your, your own flesh or your emotions or temptation or anything. Don't be pulled off. Don't be derailed about this. It, it, it's really saying um, be self-controlled is about pull yourself together here. That's what he's saying. And then he says, and be sober minded what that means is keep a, a clear mind about this yeah don't be foggy about this know for sure what i'm talking about know for sure what god wants you to do and in this manner to take seriously what is going to be said here to 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 really focus in on this and like do something about it so be clear-minded be sober-minded and what is he talking about what are we to be disciplined, self-controlled? And what are we to be clear-minded, uh, taking seriously? What is that? Well, we read it, right? Prayer. Prayer. He says, for, he writes here in verse 7, for the sake of your prayers. He's saying, he's saying look, we're talking about prayer. For the sake of prayer and how important that is, be disciplined, be self-controlled, be focused, have a clear mind about how important that is. The NSAB puts translated the purpose of prayer. And we understand how important 
prayer is in our lives. So be disciplined, be serious about your praying. So here's, here's the simple point here. Here's what Peter's putting out. Because or since, therefore, Jesus is coming soon, pray like never before. Pray like never before, you guys. Get serious about prayer. Don't put it to the side anymore. Don't, don't just, ah, prayer, you know, oh, yeah, whatever. Be disciplined about it. Be clear-minded. Take it seriously. You know, I heard the average Christian prays 45 seconds a day, and that's usually over their meal. Sad. The average Christian. Uh, there was a, uh, I heard also this number, that in one year, the average Christian today prays six hours in one year total. Now, that's compared to, and this will give you more of a picture of how sad this is, that's compared to how uh, time is spent in one year, hobbies or shopping is 90 hours. Sports activities in one year is, is 100 hours. Vacation is 120 hours. But the average Christian for praying is just six hours. That really says how far we have drifted away from the importance of prayer, where prayer, where we drifted away to not making prayer a priority. That, that's why, right? But prayer is somehow drifted down lower on the list in our lives. Sure, when we're in trouble, oh, we're praying. Yeah, we're like, ah, crying out to God. You're spending a lot of time. You're making the effort. You're coming to church. But then, ah, once that trouble passes, oh, we're back to our normal mode of operation where we're hardly praying at all. Do you hear what what God is saying today? I mean, I I really want to put that in your minds and, and attention, put it on your attention. Be attentive to that. What we're reading today, what Peter has written 2,000 years ago today is for us right now. Right now. Right now. God is speaking. Don't let this go in one ear and out the other, so to speak, right? I mean, just last Wednesday we talked about prayer. We've been talking about prayer a lot. It's been coming up over and over. I'm reading this going, wow, Lord, you're bringing it up again. And a lot of the things we're reading in Peter, he, he kind of makes this circle. He's like circling the airport, and then he lands. And he goes over a lot of uh, similar or same things. But we need to hear it because sometimes we don't hear it the first time. We don't hear it the second time. We don't hear it the third time. But we need to hear it today. God is asking us to pray like never before. Don't give in, right, to, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, yeah, I can't wake up. Or, or when you're going to bed, you're like, oh, Lord, I don't know. Do something to be attentive in prayer. Whatever it is, eat some candy or drink some coffee or whatever. Whatever, whatever. get out of bed. Don't, don't pray laying down. I've, I, I've done that. You know, when you, when you go, oh, I'm going to pray a little bit, and you're in your bed, and you're all comfy, and you put your head on your pillow. It doesn't work. I fall asleep right away. Sorry, Lord, I fell asleep last night. You know, it doesn't work that way. Get up, sit up. I don't know, you know, don't take your jacket off so it's cold. You're like, oh, okay, I'm awake. But do something about it. Don't be self-disciplined about that. Discipline about, yeah, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to do that. That's so important. God is calling us. And think about it this way. The devil is trying to keep us 
from praying, right? I mean, how many times like, oh, I didn't pray because you had so many things on your mind. And then when you sit down to pray, it all comes back in. Oh, yeah, I got to do this. And then it stops you. Look, the devil is trying to keep you from praying, keep you from going to the church prayer meeting. Oh, I can't do this because of this. Oh, this. Or, ah, I'm not sure. Yeah, ah, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Be self-controlled. Clear-minded about this. That No, God, I'm going to make a commitment here. And let me tell you, the devil, he doesn't want you in prayer. Why? Because it steals your power. It takes away the power that you have. It takes away the, what God can do in your life and how he answers prayer. Prayer is not a priority to some of us. It's kind of gone down, but it needs to go back up, you guys. Maybe think about it this way. Perhaps prayer is kind of lower on the list because, you know what, your love for Jesus has gotten lower on the list. I mean, th- think about that for a moment. Perhaps, like it says in Revelation 2.4, and the NLT says, uh, you don't love as you did at first. Or other translations is, oh, I, you lost your first love. Perhaps, um, maybe you do pray, but it's more like a ritual. It's not like connecting with God or being with the Lord. And maybe that's why your prayers are dry or you're like, uh, I don't want to go to prayer meeting because I don't know. This is how I pray at home. It's going to be boring over there. But it's not, you guys. Perhaps that you, you, you go and pray just going through the motion of devotion when actually it's been an erosion of your devotion because of your heart is not there with God. Here's what I was thinking. Those of you who are married or have been married, um, do you remember when you're dating? And, and when you're first dating, I was first dating Kristen, and well, I, I would do anything to be with her, right? I mean, I would drive across town. I'd stay up late, yeah? Just, just to sit with her. I, I was thinking about how, I, I, I remember just going to her, her house, and we, we didn't have to go movie or, you know, or go out to eat. I would just go to her house, and we sit in her, her front room, and, and her parents were watching TV in the other room, and we're just, we just had fun just sitting there talking, just talking. We, we'd sit in a car for hours. Yeah, I come and drop her off, off home after going out. We'd just sit there for hours, like, oh, wow, it's one in the morning. I better go home. But what are we doing? We just, we're just talking. Right? Or you're on the phone for hours talking. Perhaps because that kind of love and that relationship has taken, kind of gotten less, that you're not praying as much as you should be. Have you lo- lost that first love? You used to be at the prayer meetings? You used to pray all the time? Remember, remember the mission of our church, right, is to love Jesus, love the word, love each other, love the lost. Now, what's the first thing I said? Love Jesus. Love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, then you want to talk to him. You want to be with him. And you will be in prayer every day. You'll, you'll, you'll be excited to come to prayer meetings. The thing is, Knowing Jesus is coming soon 
It should motivate us. It should move us to pray like never before. Because you know what? When Jesus returns, is he going to find you praying or neglecting prayer? You know, Jesus was talking about prayer in, in Luke chapter 18 at the end. And, and the last thing he, he, he said in Luke 18, he said, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And that was after he talked about prayer. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted here. I want to pray more. I want to pray like never before. I want to, when he returns, I want, to, I want him to find me, that I have faith in him, that I believe in him, that I love him, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be praying. So live like Jesus is coming soon. Pray like never before. Let's go to number two now. Love like never before. Love like never before. Here we're going to cover verse 8 and 9. But first of all, look at verse 8. It says here, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So the next thing, Peter moves off now from prayers and he says, Above all. I mean, the, the greatest thing you could do above everything and what's very important is keep loving one another earnestly. He's saying keep loving, maintain this kind of love. And you know, the word uh, loving here is a form of agape, right? And what is agape? We know unconditional love. It's not conditional. It just loves to love. It's an action word. It, it, it's not really based on feelings. It's, it's based on doing. It's based on God in your life. It's based on a choice that you make. And so he's saying, continue, maintain this kind of agape love. And he says, loving one another earnestly. The word earnestly, oh, King James word is fervently. That's in my mind. The ESV translates it earnestly. NLT says deep love. It's a love that in the original language means to be stretched to the limit. So here's Peter saying, keep loving this kind of love that is stretched to the limit. That it, 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 it even goes beyond borders. A love that breaks through. And to me, I, this is what I was thinking. It's a love that breaks through that barrier of emotion. Sometimes we, we limit our love because, well, I don't feel it. Well, real love isn't just what you feel. I mean, it, it can be part of it. But it's not based on emotion because emotion can go up and down, right? Our love is based on commitment, right? On the choice. Our love is based on what God would want us to love and how to love it. And the love that He gives us. Not so much emotions. So love breaks through that barrier of emotions. Also, I think about this. This kind of love, because it's stretched to the limit, it breaks through that barrier of hurt right when we when someone hurts us yeah or, or, or you know or something happens in our marriage or with someone or in the church oh that's it i'm not i i can't get beyond this right i can't love that person i can't give him time of day it's hard it's very difficult but paul peter is saying earnestly fervently deep being stretched to the limit in these, this kind of love. 
That's what he's talking about. The love breaks through any borders you put up. We, we all put up certain borders, yeah? Rules, yeah? Specifications of, well, if you're like this, or, or, or some people are, you look like this, or some people are even prejudiced, right? Or if you're kind of this race, or if, if you treat me this way, or if you do something for me, we put up our borders. Okay, I'll, I'll love you. And some of us are gracious and patient and, well, I'll love you anyway, but uh, till this, this line, you cross that line, that's it. But Peter's saying, no, keep loving earnestly. And it all falls under what? Since, since we're right here, the world is coming to an end. Jesus is coming back. Love like never before. Love like never before. God is speaking. Love like never before. I like something uh, A.W. Tozer said. Um, he, he, he wrote, I am determined that I am going to love everybody even if it kills me. <laughs> I like that. I have set my heart on it. I am going to do it. That, that's the drive. That's the resolve there. Well, look at verse 8. Peter goes on and he says, um, and uh, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. This kind of love covers a multitude of sin. He's quoting Proverbs 10, 12. Remember, he's always bringing in the Old Testament. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, this love forgives. This, this love gives grace. This love gives mercy over and over and over and over again. That's, that's what he's saying here. This is, this is a, a kind of love that, that I guess you could look at it this way in, in the forgiveness aspect, in the compassion aspect. You, you can see it this way. This kind of love is not out to expose, but to cover. Not out to humiliate, but to cover. Not not out to ridicule, yeah, but to have compassion and, and, and have concern. So since Jesus is coming soon, love like never before. Love like never before. Last year, I think it was the middle of the year, after 329 years, Elizabeth Johnson was legally pardoned in Massachusetts, I can't say it, Massachusetts, 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 for being a witch. In the dark, you know, that comes from the dark history of the Salem witch trials in 1692-1693, where hundreds were arrested or affected, uh, many suffered, many died, uh, 19 were hanged and accused and convicted of being a witch. Today, um, there's, what happened was that this 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 class, these students in school, elementary school, the teacher gave them a project to do research on this, and they came up with that she was actually innocent. There was no proof that, that, that she was actually a witch. And, and I was reading another uh, Christian place was saying, you know, the, the accounts, most, uh, you know, all the accounts shows that all this happened was due to, they said, hysteria, you know, that fear, uh, jealousy, and gossip. And I was thinking, oh, how sad. And back then, there was a real 
Christian kind of Puritan kind of feel, you know, in the society. And I thought, how sad that Christians back then would do this to one another. We'd get all caught up in that. This is where we get that term, right? Witch hunt. Yeah, we're out to find those witches and all. And I feel like still today, some Christians are still like that. They take pride in finding, you know, those who who are, oh, they're they're doing so much wrong or they're messed up. They feel righteous in themselves that they're the sin sniffers. And it seems like that's all they really talk about. But we're not to be like that, right? Jesus Christ is coming. Love like never before. Rather than uh, people, sometimes rather than help, they rather hurt. Rather than cover You know what we do? We uncover, right? Rather than forgive and love, we kill them with our words. We kill them with our words to even others. So you guys, we should be what Peter's talking about here. We should live like that. Love like never before. Then he adds this in verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, this falls under this, this um, keep loving one another er- earnestly. Uh, Peter adds this as another action of love. The word hospitality literally in the language means be friendly to strangers or be loving to strangers. That, that's what it literally means. And back then, the background really, you know, in the ancient times, there wasn't like Hyatt's or Marriott's, you know, that you can go to when you travel. You would stay at people's homes and it was better to do that because the the inns back then were actually places of prostitution and all kinds of you know bad kind of you know dark stuff would go on so when you travel you're either out and cold or or someone opens up their home to you so that was the idea and peter's like hey we should be loving we should be open to strangers even and i i think that may be one of the hardest things, right? I mean, if you get to know someone or, or your family, you know, oh, it's easy, oh, yeah, you know, to be open, open your heart up, talk to them, show love. But if it's a stranger, you're kind of like, mm, I don't know. Sometimes that's, that's our line, our border, right? But Peter's saying, no, even to strangers, give that aloha, basically. And then he adds, without what? Grumbling. I like that part too. Because sometimes, okay, we'll do it. All right. But we grumble about it. We murmur about it. We get the, the Eeyore kind of, you know, we need to put an Eeyore, you know. All right. I'm so happy to help you, you know, kind of thing. And, and we're forced. But it's not a forcing, it comes from God within. So with your hospitality, Love like never before. Let's start doing that, you guys. More than ever. Love like never before. Let's go beyond the borders that we've set up. Let's, uh, let's go to people we don't know. Let, let's step out of our insecurities and all of that and say, okay, God, here I go. And let the Holy Spirit help you through that. 
let his love actually flow out of you. And I want you to see this. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And look at verse 5. Romans chapter 5. Click over there. Turn over there. Romans chapter 5. Verse 5. It says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. As believers, the Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit has regenerated us. The Holy Spirit is who unites us. It's God living inside of us, and the Holy Spirit fills us. And so through the Holy Spirit, through that connection, we get God's love. And God's love has been poured here in verse 5 says, into our hearts. So if God has done this, then shouldn't his love come out and flow out of us? Shouldn't we be able to pour that love out to others? We should. We need to. Let it be God's love coming out. Let God's love overflow in all your situations that you face. And let's love like never before. All right. Live like Jesus is coming soon. One, pray like never before. Two, love like never before. And back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Serve like never before. Serve like never before. And we're going to cover the last two verses this morning here. Serve like never before. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to, what? Serve one another as a good stewards, as good stewards of God's very grace. We'll stop right there. Now, Peter puts out three things. And the first thing he says here is, number one, each has received. Each has received, what? A gift. What are you saying? He's saying every believer has received a gift of God, a, a way to serve the Lord in the body of Christ. We all have a gift. God has given it to every person. We've given some role that we are to, to serve in, to minister to the body, to minister to one another. What are they? Well, I'm, we're not going to cover it all today. You can read 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, uh, uh, or 13, 12, 13, anyway, 12. Yeah, but read, read that. Go through that. The, everyone has given has been given a gift to serve in the body of Christ. We're, we're all important. We're, we all link together. We all together further the kingdom of God, and we all have our, our roles in doing that. And with that being said, that each one of us is given a gift from God, understand this, that um, God has given that gift. So um, sometimes, like, we take those little surveys, like, oh, what, what's my gift? And then it's a questionnaire, and at the end they say, well, you're, this is your gift, this is your gift. And, and that's good. And to me, maybe that's even a starting place, or maybe it's what it is. But a lot of times we, do, we take those surveys and we come up with this conclusion, oh, well, this is my gift, and we box God in. Don't box God in and what your gift and what your role and what God will want you to do in the church, in the body of Christ. Don't box him in. Because remember, a gift is a gift from God. God gives you this. And maybe it's some natural talents, but more often than not, it's a supernatural gift that's not uh, uh, natural to you. And that's what I found in my life. And I've 
done so many things I never thought I could ever do. In my whole journey as a Christian, and, I, and God has placed me in situations like, oh, no, this is not me. But God's saying, no, because I can empower you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to go. And I've, I've done so many things that I never thought, went to so many places that I never thought I could ever go to and ever do. And one of the places standing up here talking to you guys. I would never dream that I would do this. This is not natural to me. But it's supernatural to God because he gives us these gifts. So don't box God and don't limit your mind to, well, I don't know what I might give. I can't do anything. Oh, good. Good. Because God likes to use the foolish things and the weak things because then he could give you something and you'll go, wow, that wasn't me. That's God. And that's what I'm saying today. I'm up here only because of God, not me. And any of my mistake, it's me. <laughs> any other mistakes, it's me. But everything else is God. I give God the glory. So don't box God in, but understand each has received a gift. And then look, it says here that uh, next, secondly, use it to serve one another. That's the second thing. He's saying get busy in serving others. The, the Greek words um, serve one another or serve is really, uh, it means wait upon. It's like, speaks of like a waiter, a waitress, or, or, or a busboy. You know, where they're doing something. They're, uh, they're not waiting for um, uh, you to do something. No, they, they're, they're there, right there. So use your gift. Don't just sit on it, yeah? Be busy about it. I'll tell you, so much of going to church is actually uh, partaking in this dynamic of the body, it's, it's doing something. It's not just come in, sit there, oh, we worship, oh, and then we hear the message and go out. It's more than that, you guys. It's, it's our fellowship. And in our fellowship, it may be encouraging one another. It may be listening to someone hurting, praying for them. It's not just sitting there and then going. God wants to use us, use us in our gifts to serve one another another and notice it's to serve one another not yourself yeah some people use their gifts to lift themselves up oh look at me but it's not about that then thirdly he writes here in verse 10 as good stewards of god's varied grace now stewards is like a manager right we know that word so you're responsible for what god is giving you and how you manage to use these gifts uh, very grace, God's very grace. Um, that's an interesting phrase, but it really means grace is talking about gifts because by God's grace, we're given this gift. We're, it's not like we're qualified or anything. He just gives it to us through the Holy Spirit, through his grace. So um, it's by God's very gifts. In other words, he gives us very uh, different kind of gifts. Each one of us, we have different gifts, a different mix of gifts even in that thinking. So since Jesus is coming soon, serve like never before. And let me add this. In the unique blend of gifts, God has given you by his grace. God has given you, each one of us, we're, we're like a fingerprint. None of us are the same. We're like a snowflake. And some of, them are, uh, some of us are flakes. No, just joking. But um, we're, we're all different in our combination and mix of gifts 
And so understand that, that God has blessed us with that in that way. And he wants to use us personally in uh, the church with our lives with that mix. I like something John MacArthur said. Uh, he said, it is as if God dips his paintbrush into different colors or categories of gifts on his spiritual palette and paints each Christian a unique blend of colors. I love that. So it's time now. Jesus is coming soon to stop sitting. It, it, it's time now to stop just observing from afar and like, well, uh, I, I don't do that. No, you do do that. It's what God has called you to do. Get serving. Be, get serving. Maybe like you did before. There's no, um, what do you call it? Um, couch coaches? No. How do you say that? Armchair quarterbacks. Uh, that's, yeah. No. We're all involved. So get involved. Pray for someone. Welcome someone. Encourage someone. Serve. In the church, there's places here we, um, we need help in. Get moving. All right, verse 11, our last verse. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter kind of expands this and says, look, if your gift is to speak, He's talking about teaching and preaching, maybe sharing Jesus with someone. Maybe it's a word of wisdom when you go, go up to someone or, you, or, or a word of knowledge. The Spirit gives you a word for someone or, or a, a word of encouragement or whatever. You say, uh, whatever you speak, Peter's like, speak the oracles of God. Speak His word. Speak His message. Speak His anointed word that He wants you to say and give to that other person whether it's teaching or preaching or evangelizing or one-on-one or in a prayer meeting or the Spirit is moving and, and you have a word of knowledge. What, what, whatever that is, speak with what God gives you. And then he says, look, if, if your gift is one who serves, whoever serves, well, serve by the strength of God that supplies. Remember, it's not like your own natural kind of strength. But it's a supernatural gift that He gives you. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and serve in the, in, in the strength that God gives you. God will give you that, that wisdom and administration or, or, or give you those ideas for Keiki Church or, or God will give you that connection with them or what, whatever that is. But do it in the Lord in His strength. All in all, whether you speak or serve, when you serve, uh, when you speak with God's message or you serve in God's strength, all in all, what Peter is saying, we want to do that in order, verse 11, that in everything, God may be glorified through Christ, through Jesus Christ, for his glory, not our own. And then Peter just kind of breaks up in praise. To him be glory. Amen. To him be dominion, like power and sovereign rule. Amen. Forever and ever, what? Amen, he writes here. He just breaks out into praise. Amen, amen to glorifying Jesus. So, for any of this serving, in light of Jesus' coming, serve like never before. You guys, we have a great opportunity here to be part 
of furthering the kingdom of God. Every one of us. We have a great opportunity to bring Jesus to people. I heard this um, recently. I, I, I really like this. Um, believers actually belong to the greatest organization in the whole world. We have a, a product that works, and not only works, it works universally, right? The gospel saves any person, no matter what race, language, uh, anybody who will just receive Christ. We have a great product, don't we? We're part of that. We have offices worldwide. I like that thought, yeah? Every culture, every country, there's local churches worldwide. It's a worldwide organization. And let me tell you, we have very, a very good benefit plan. <laughs> Great benefits. Peace, joy, family, a real love with one another, a relationship with our Creator, God. Um, we have life with meaning. And you know what? We have a great retirement package too, right? Eternal life in heaven. So you and I, we belong to the greatest organization in the world. Well, let's be excited about it. Let's, let's do our duty. Let's work it. Let's serve like never before. But understand, as we come to a close, the one thing is about this organization, it's going to come to its end and its work here on earth, right? It, 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 it's, it's movement. It's it, the company here on earth. It's, it's going to be done soon. And that's when Jesus returns. And let me tell you, time is running out. I have conversations with people now, and, and we talk about it, or, or I've mentioned it to you, and we can see the world just heading toward the tribulation years. The world is getting prepared so they would embrace the Antichrist. We see the Middle East set up ready for prophecy to be fulfilled in Ezekiel 38, right, 39. We see that that, it's, that, that as we're heading this way and that everything, gosh, it's, it's, it's about to happen. It can happen at any moment. By God's grace, he's holding back so people can get saved. Time is now. Time is running out. Time is now to, to pray, to love, to serve. Time is running out. And let me put it this way. We're running out of tomorrows. Don't say, oh, tomorrow I'll do it. Because you know how, what I I'll put out projects and stuff. Oh, tomorrow I'll do it. Oh, it's one month later. It's like, oh my gosh. I feel bad because I didn't keep my word, yeah? Let's keep our word. We're running out of tomorrows. So listen, we need to live this today. And not just, oh, from the hours of 6 to 8 a.m. No, all the time. All the time. I'll close with this. A teacher was going away on a trip and he told the class that he would come back and give a prize to the one whose desk was found to be the most clean and organized. But he told them that he's, he's not going to tell them when he's going to return. He's just going to show up and, and, and uh, they got to be ready. When he left, a girl, one little girl who was known to have the messiest desk in class, announced to everyone that she was determined to win the prize. Well, her schoolmates laughed. But she said, no, I'm, I'm going to keep my desk clean. I'm going to clean it the first day of every week. 
Well, one of the other classmates said, but what happens when teacher comes at the end of the week? Then your desk is going to be all messy again. And so the girl thought, okay, I'm going to clean it every morning first thing. Then someone said, well, what if the teacher comes at the end of the day? Then your desk is going to be messy again. And the girl thought for a moment. Then her face just lit up and she smiled and said, I know what I'll do. I'll just keep it clean all the time. That's it, you guys. All the time, we should be praying like never before, loving like never before, serving like never before. We need to live like Jesus is coming soon. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you once again for speaking to us. And God, you're speaking loudly. I know you are to my own heart. Lord, this passage, though there's not that many verses, it's so powerful, God to affect us today, especially us today where we believe you are coming soon. I believe it, God. I, I, I don't like feel it, Lord. We see it in our own lifetime. Things that have happened to this world like never, ever before. Events in the Middle East, countries that are, are, are there, Russia there, that like we've never seen before. We know the end is near. Yet does it affect us? That, does it move us to live differently than before. God, I want to. And I pray that you would hear our hearts as we say, yes, Lord, amen. I want you to be glorified in my life. I want to stop just existing. I want to just stop living for myself. I want to live for you in the way I should. I want to pray in the way I should be. I want to be involved in serving in the way I should be. I need to love like the way you want me to be, like you love me. So, God, we come and humble ourselves to you. And, Lord, we want to be able to, God, repent and and be able to live out what you're asking us, God. And we can only do that by your Holy Spirit. So, God, fill us today with your Spirit. God, help us right now to focus in on you, especially as we move into this time of communion. And let us see how frail and weak we are but how great and mighty you are Lord thank you God thank you for your love thank you for speaking to us in Jesus name Amen